of Jesus. Amen. Church, you may be seated. Y'all, that song, if that didn't get you going, I don't know what will. I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Come on, that song had me crying on the first three words on a hill. Because <laughs> I knew what was coming. I was already crying. Well, it's so good to be together tonight, and it's so good to be able to wrap up this series that we've been in together. And I hope that you are coming here expecting the Lord to speak and to show up, um, not just in the service, but in your heart. I pray that you come with an open heart. And I hope that you come with um, the ability to let the light in, because we're going to do some of that later, too. But tonight, we are wrapping up this series. Before we do that, um, Daniel and Lex, our son, they had a wedding shower today in Indiana, and they said they um, can't wait till we party here together, but they send their greetings, and they said they can't wait to get back and worship with you guys. So Daniel and Lex send their greetings. They're ready to come home and worship with us and be here for good, but we are missing them tonight in Indiana as they were celebrated there with some of their friends and family. But also, last week, if you were here, um, we did a Graves into Gardens with the into being the emphasis. And at the end of the message, um, we talked about showing the enemy the door and how important that is in our lives. Has anyone had a tough week? I have. <laughs> After that. Oh, yeah, he didn't like that, did he? But that's okay. What did we, what did we learn to do? Show him the door. So did you? I did. I had to do, them, do it again just a few minutes ago. Don't stop, church. Amen. You know where the exit sign is. Keep showing the enemy the door. It is so important. It's been a tough week for me. It's been a tough day for me because, you know, that's the way it goes. But God is so big, and he is so good, and he is so much greater. Can you claim that tonight? God is so big. He is so good. He is so much greater than anything that comes against us. And haters going to hate. I mean, we just, we learned that last week, right? If you haven't learned it before now, haters going to hate. And the enemy is our greatest hater. And so we got to know how to respond. But anyway, tonight as we wrap it up, Graves and Gardens, it has been an incredible series. And it has been a wonderful time of celebrating people's journeys and them choosing the redemption route. Like we talked about last week, we step into the redemption route, into and the parentheses, the into, we step into the shift from graves into gardens. That is called the redemption route. And we step on that. Man, we are in for a ride. But we've got to stay rooted. We've got to stay connected to the things that will take us there. And first, that is the Lord God Almighty. God does it. It's his plan that we all jump on the redemption route. And it's because of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. And because he was willing to lay down his life for us that we can. And so I'm just praying that even tonight, even in this moment tonight as we wrap it up, that someone will step on the route to something new inside of you. Or maybe it's not you. Maybe it's someone in your life that you've been praying for. Maybe tonight you'll share this message or you'll share inspiration or they'll hear from the Lord wherever they are and they'll choose to step on the redemption route and experience new life in Christ. We believe that. We have seen people come to the Lord in this series. It's been a wonderful, wonderful time to see people choose Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior and choose a life with Christ throughout this series. Not just telling about those stories, but seeing it happen right here. And we are so excited about journeying with those people. God has been so good. He is so faithful, church. Amen? 
Amen. I'm so glad to be with you tonight, and let's do it. Are you ready? Let's wrap it up, and we'll jump into something else. Next week, we're doing Step Up Saturday. We'll be celebrating all of our littles, all the way up to olders, that are stepping up to the next major milestone. So if you have a child, or a teen, or a college student that is stepping up into the next milestone of life, please see Tina Lips after service tonight so that we can celebrate your child or your student or your young adult properly next Saturday. So excited. Graves into gardens. Well, you know, oftentimes it kind of looks like this, the redemption route. I have a picture for you. Looks like this, <laughs> right? Sometimes when we step into the redemption route, we decide, you know what, I think I'm gonna let this grave become a garden. I think I'm going to try to grow something out of this. I think I'm going to give God my life and step into something new. And the next thing you know, come up through the ground like a good seed, rooted in and ready to burst through. And what do we hit? A boulder. Well, this tree didn't care. There's going to be times in your life where you're going to be gung-ho and you're going to be ready for that mess to be turned into a message that test to be turned into a testimony, that trial to be turned into tri to triumph, and you're going to be working, and you're going to be moving through, and you're going to be rooted in the Word, and you're going to come up out of the soil, and there's going to be a boulder. And it's going to feel like you can't. But if you will keep your roots strong, look at that tree. Remember this image. If you will keep those roots strong, like we talked about last week, that you would believe that Jesus is Lord, that you would speak it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. That you would be rooted in the word of God and know the truth in your heart so you could speak it over the lies. That you would worship in spirit and truth. That you'd worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Not be focused only on preference, but truly worship him in spirit and truth. And, and have the name of Jesus in your back pocket at all times. It is all powerful. All powerful. And move through life rooted then even the boulder can't stand. And I pray that you'll remember this image when you come up against a boulder. And remember, if that tree can break through that boulder, I can break through this obstacle. But not on my own. Amen. i got to be rooted in good soil. Amen. The Lord is good soil. The theme scripture for this entire series has been from 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone who is joined to Christ... He is a new being. The old is gone and the new has come. The Lord God is the only one that can do that. You can get new shoes and you can throw out your old ones. You can get new clothes and you can throw out your old ones. But when it comes to turning your soul from something that is old to something that is new, the Lord God is the only one that can do that. And he has done it. And he is doing it. And he's not done. Are you open Amen. to that? So we started our series month, a month and a half ago or so. And it was so exciting. We started out with Graves in the Gardens. And the very next week, we jumped into Bones, into Armies. Because the song that we used to kind of frame this series uses six specific phrases in the bridge. You turn mourning to dancing. You turn shame into glory. You turn beauty for ashes, bones into armies, graves into gardens, seas into highways. It uses these six sub-themes throughout this bridge of this song. And so we just took those sub-themes and we went through the passages of scripture to see where those are prudent to what the song was saying. And we broke those down into weeks of messages. 
And so the next, very next week, we did Bones into Armies. And we broke down Ezekiel 37, the vision that Ezekiel had. And we talked about that, how the Lord brought, the Spirit brought Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones. Bones that once were, but are no longer. And now there's just bones laying everywhere. Lives that once were, but are no longer. Just bones everywhere. And then the Lord God spoke to Ezekiel saying, Son of man, can these bones live? And what does he say back? Lord God, only you know. It is vital. It is vital that we understand what is the Lord's and his alone. Where the power lies. Bones become armies because of the power of God. Him and him alone. Lord God, only you know. And then it goes on. He says to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And we're going to stop there for just a second. I love this phrase. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. It is important that we recognize that it is literally the breath in our lungs that comes from the Lord God. It is the very thing that sustains my life is my breath. It is authored by the Lord God. When was the last time you thank God that you could breathe? Man, we take so much for granted, don't we? Then you will know that I am the Lord. Man, if I just took that breath right now, then I was like, he's the Lord. Every breath would be worship. Back to him. But Ezekiel's standing amongst this valley of dry bones, and he's hearing from the Lord saying, speak over these bones what I have said. And so then... Next, next couple chapters, a couple of verses later, excuse me, he says this. So I prophesied as I had been told. Breath entered the bodies, and they came to life and stood up. There were enough of them to form an army. My dad reminded me of a story just recently of my sister who was at a long, uh, dry cleaner's place turning in her daughter's dresses from Easter who got, I'm sure they got candy on them, I'm sure. Easter eggs, right? And so she's turning in the Easter egg, Easter dresses to be dry cleaned, and her son Ethan's with her, and he's little. Well, Ethan had reached up onto the counter without me knowing and had reached a piece of candy. And without her knowing, he put it in his mouth and was choking. And he was choking, and he was choking. And it wasn't until she kind of heard a strange noise that she looked over, and so she thought it was just playing on the floor, which is what he had been doing most of the time. And she realized that he was not breathing and that he was choking, and that he was turning a different color. And so, of course, she tried everything she could. She's not going to reach in. She tried all the things that she knew to do, and the only other thing she knew left to do, she cried out, in the name of Jesus, my son will breathe. He had gotten a lifesaver, and really, truly, the life-saving thing was that little hole. But as she said that, he began to vomit. Which doesn't happen when you're choking, typically, but maybe all the commotion. But I believe, and his very breath entered him, and he came to life, and he stood up. In the name of Jesus, what in your life needs to breathe? 
in the name of Jesus, what in your life needs to breathe? That week we heard an incredible testimony where there was a woman who had a husband, David Karen, and she knew that by the, in the name of Jesus, my husband needs to breathe. And it wasn't literal breath. It was the breath of God. He didn't know the Lord as his personal Lord and Savior. He knew about God, but he hadn't chosen it for himself. And so she prayed and she prayed and she knew that it would have to be the very breath of God entering into him to make it happen. And the Lord did his work. The Holy Spirit did its work and drew David to him through months and years and time and prayers and petitions. And David chose to let the breath of God change him. And he accepted Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. And he has stood up a new creation in Christ. And that, yes, amen. And just between the two of them, there's enough to form an army, I think. <laughs> They're a pretty mighty fortress, the two of them, I believe. They lead the middle uh, life group, which will be happening tomorrow night, and they do a phenomenal job, and we're honored to be part of that group. But the two of them, they're enough to form an army. And so this couple, who one knew the Lord as their personal Lord and Savior, and the other one did not, he supported her in her faith, but did not, was not a co-heir with her in her faith. Now they are an army of the Lord together. Those of you that are praying for a spouse, or a child, or a coworker, or a friend, keep praying those prayers and petitions and add the thanksgiving to it because the Lord is hearing you and the breath of God will enter them and they will come to life and stand up and you need to stand on that truth and believe it tonight. Keep, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. We know that our precious Cheryl and Dick could tell the story as well also. We know it well. And the very next week, seas into highways was the next something. And we talked about the Red Sea where Moses and the Israelites, they decided to escape slavery. And so Moses is leading them into freedom, into the promised land. And they come up many obstacles. One of the obstacles they come up against is the Red Sea. And Moses, you know, he's just leading them the direction that God told them to go. And they get to the seawall. And here they are. Now what? You see, on that redemption route, on that freedom journey, you're going to come up against seawalls and wonder, why did it lead me here? Why am I standing at the midst of something that's going to make me just have to turn around and go back? Which is what many of the Israelites were crying out, let's just go back. We should have just stayed in, in slavery. At least we knew we would eat. But Moses, the leader, he just knew that the Lord had a plan. God had told him, do this. And so he knew that if God told him to do this, that he would have a plan. Amen. I, I understand that. Sometimes it feels like, what are we doing? And then he's like, I got a plan. I'm like, that's right. You told me to do this, you got a plan, right? And so he brings the Israelites and he says, listen, listen. And let's look at the next verse. Don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. You see, Moses stepped away and spent time with the big L-O-R-D. We've talked about it, the relational right here, right now, God. When you see the Lord in all caps, that is talking about a relationship, a presence that is in the right here, right now. He was, he is, he will be. But this is a right now, right here, God, that he's talking about. And so he's not saying, you'll see the deliverance that the God of the ages that we knew was will deliver. He says, no, the God that is right here, right now. Do you get that? It's time to apply all caps to your situation. 
It's time to apply all caps to your situation. The all capital letter God is right here, right now in your situation. He, when he says, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. He's not talking about a God that had a plan way back there. Back there. He's talking about the God that is right here, right now on the sea wall with us. Amen. And then the next verse says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And you might remember, I, I told you that this be still context was the one that specifically said, be quiet, calm down. When we apply all caps, it really helps, doesn't it? When we realize that the big L-O-R-D is right here, right now, it really does help us calm down a little bit, doesn't it? It's been a tough week, but every time I remember the right here, right now, God is the one that's helping me show the devil the door. I'm not standing at the exit sign by myself. And it makes it a lot easier to just show the door again, 2,000 times. Because this is not in my power, but in his. This is not because of who I am, it's because of who he is and what he's called me to and what he's filling me with to even stand here right here, right now. When I apply all caps, God, to my life, it is much easier to stay calm, be quiet. Because they were scared and they were not, they were doubting and they were speaking all of it. Nobody in this room does that, right? Y'all are quiet. You can laugh at yourself. Nobody in this room ever speaks doubt and fear, right? No? Chaos? No, never. Right? And so Moses is like, shh. He's here. And he's going to bring deliverance. We need to be quiet and watch. Now, somebody had to move, and it was Moses. He had to take the step. He had to take a step of faith, and he did. He obediently stepped towards the water, and as he did, the waters parted. And when they parted, it wasn't wet, it wasn't muddy, it was completely dry. So listen, apply all caps to your situation right now. The all capital letters God is with you. The right here, the right now God, he is here, he is now. And then, calm down. Let him work. See what he wants to do with this situation. And if he asks you to take the step of faith, you won't regret it. Take the step of faith and listen. He won't miss a detail. He didn't just park the waters and then their chariots had to move through the mud. At snail speed, right? No, he parted the waters and made it drive me so they could firmly step with confidence all the way across. You see, that's the way the Lord fights for us. I calm down when I remember that that's the big capital letters, Lord, that's with me. If he can part the waters and make the wet, dry land so that my feet won't stumble, he's got me. It might not look the way I thought it would, and it might not happen in my time, but he's got me. Church, does he have you? He's got me. And he had our girl Leah Page that night as she shared about many obstacles that she came up against in her life. One second, we're still on seas to highways. That's okay. We've got Aaliyah here, and she was really coming up against obstacles and up against seawalls. 
in her life. Things from her past that could have haunted her to keep her from moving forward, but she took the step of faith anyway. And she started that culinary school, and she'll be graduating soon, finishing up her courses, ready to move on to the next chapter. Learning more about herself, her skills, and, and her blood as she digs into his word and into what he has for her. And walking the sea, the dry sea all night isn't always easy, is it? No. But you're doing it. We're proud of you. You know what's really cool? Moses didn't walk it alone, and neither are you. Those Israelites, they were not alone, and neither are you, Miss Leah. Thank you for the slides of going to the next one. Morning into dancing. What an incredible night that was. What an incredible story that we got to hear from Susan, who was able to mourn some things from her past. It was really cool. The next day after that message, I think we were talking as a staff, or two days later, and Paige mentioned how, or someone mentioned, please forgive me if it wasn't Paige, if it was someone else, but someone mentioned how amazing it was that Susan had this thing in her past that she was so afraid the church would find out when she was younger. And then she was able to sit and be the one to tell the church and experience acceptance and talk about the failures and the regrets, but also the grief. And then she was able to mourn it with a, with a fellowship of people, which is not just her story was redeemed, that moment was redeemed. Do you get the power of that? She was so afraid the church would find out that she had gotten pregnant outside of wedlock and had this situation and then this miscarriage that she literally hid it and went through it alone and never talked about it and never properly mourned it years ago. And then here she was, able to tell the story and have the church surround her and love her and celebrate because she has moved from mourning to dancing. Because the Lord has done it. In Psalms 30, 11, it says, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. And it says, I don't have it up here, but it says next, it says, You've taken my sack, sackcloth and replaced it with robes of righteousness. He does that. He does that. Remember, he's the only one that can. He's the only one that can. And he was with Susan all the way through the journey. But that night, I shared a little bit of peace about how in our life, we have seasons where we are holding both grief and gratitude at the same time. The next um, scripture I want to show you, this will apply. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. So I want to show you this passage, too, because a lot of times we will stand in the midst of our grief and our gratitude at the same time. That we will have experienced loss and even be grieving a, a part of our life while standing in gratitude, and we have two hands and we find ourselves holding both often, don't we? But the Lord is so good, and he loves us right where we are. But there are moments that we stand with grief and gratitude. But if we would just press in a little further, we will find that our morning becomes dancing. If we would just press in a little further with that grief, this pain, this hurt, this sin, this regret, this loss. But God is good, and I know this. But we'll just press into him a little further and a little deeper and bring those together and offer them to him. He is the one that can turn our mourning into dancing. And oh Lord, my God, 
I'm with you thanks forever when I cross the threshold of mourning into dancing. If you've been there, you know it. It doesn't mean you didn't lose something. It doesn't mean that season didn't happen. It just means that I stood with the Lord a little longer in my grief and my gratitude so I could find his glory. You move into dancing. And I told you that in our Easter celebration, we were rehearsing here, and Susan could hardly contain herself because she had just really told the women about this, this grief in her past, and she finally released it to a group of people for the first time, really. And she had finally released it because other women had the bravery to tell their story, and she finally felt the bravery to tell hers. How many people are waiting for you just to tell your story? Because your freedom might give them courage to begin theirs. And she was standing up here, and it was the Saturday after the Thursday where she finally just released all those secrets up inside of her, and she released that on Thursday, and here we are on Saturday practicing, and we're singing this incredibly spirited song, and she just couldn't contain it. She took off running down the aisle. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what morning into dancing looks like. You just can't contain yourself. And now her back is out, so pray for her. <laughs> Be praying for Susan, because she's ready to dance again. And we celebrate with that. And our sweet Paige, who shared just a couple weeks ago, Beauty for Ashes. He will give you a crown of beauty for ashes. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for the display of his splendor. Isaiah 61, 3. Paige told the story of loss, great loss in the midst of COVID. One of the things I'm learning as I read articles is that if you experience loss during the COVID journey because of COVID, that your grief attached to that is much more like an attack than it is a loss. You feel like a victim of a situation rather than just a person that has lost someone. It feels like an attack on you. It feels in some ways personal, especially in those early days when there was so much noise about COVID. And so when you lose someone due to COVID, it feels much more like an attack than just grief and just loss. And so she explained her deep hurt and her deep confusion and her deep grief and how she really did feel like she was sitting amongst ashes often. And she didn't even know really what to do with it. But she didn't want to just play with the ashes. But a faithful God journeyed with her, and she wasn't able to say this, but I happen to know that her roomies through her, um, helped her have like a Remembrance Day, and she made blueberry pies and her, her grandma's recipes, and everyone that was around her tried to help her and, and lift her, but she had to make the choice that out of these ashes, there will be beauty. And it's my God who does it. And I love this statement, he will give a crown of beauty. Where's that crown go? Right here. How many times do we get stuck in our head with the noise of our pain? With the noise of our losses? With the noise, and the reality, but the noise of it. But when we think about a crown of beauty for ashes, and he's the one that does it. And then it says, in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for the display of his splendor, that when I place on that crown of beauty for ashes that he gave me, that he's going to do something with this. And he will even use the thoughts in my head that I'm turning back to him 
for his glory and for his splendor. And she talked about the goodness of God and she sang that song so beautifully. And I pray that you were able to worship that night with her. As she knows that in her deepest grief that day where her Papa D passed from COVID, we were preparing to do our second online service. We didn't know where the world was headed. We didn't know where the church was headed. We didn't know what was gonna happen, did you? No, no one did. And we got there and Paige was setting up and she was pressing through and trying to be present for everyone and everything and, and we practiced without her and I did want to put pressure on her but I knew that it was her song that night. And so I said, Paige, would, could you sing? Would you sing? And she said, I'm supposed to sing. That's what it looks like to be planted for the display of this wonder. Amen. When you say, he's going to give me a crown of beauty for ashes and it might not be complete yet, but I'm going to trust him in it and I'm going to sing about his goodness. And she still does and we're so thankful for that. And as the Lord brought to us Josh and Cindy Emmerich months ago, you know, they heard about us through the grapevine, but they also found us online, which is awesome. We love our online connection. And so they were able to find us at the Carlisle Inn last fall. And we've been journeying with them just for a little bit. And we've been honored to do so, Eric and I, and Josh and Cindy have met a few times and just getting to know their story. And the humble testimony that he shared with us of his really tough journey where he experienced a lot of shame. And you know, it might have been hard for him to say some things he said as his grandparents were watching. But he shared a humble journey that he took, a really horrific journey that he took, a turn. He was in ministry. And he turned from that season after a divorce and an, an embarrassing season and a tough season. He turned from the Lord and just started filling his wild oats in his own pleasures, looking for his own desires. But the Lord never left him, he said. And when he takes us into his story in his moment where he realizes that the Lord never left him, he literally said it was like he was there all along, but I finally just decided to notice. Listen, there are people in your life, there are people in this room that don't realize he's there. If it's not you, it's someone else in your life that he's there and they just don't notice, pray that they'll just take time to notice. If it's you, would you take time to notice? He's always been there. Even when you were living ashamed, even when people put shame on you, when shame came and tried to change your name, he never left. Josh took the time to notice and he started partnering with the presence of God again. And he tried to figure out what this looks like and what this means. God brought him into lots of different people's lives, but ours included. And we got to journey with him and fan the flame of who God is in him and watch the Lord rise up in him again. And he stood on the same stage on Easter being used for the glory of God. Singing in a worship team again. Believing maybe he would never be. I remember when he got a guitar for Christmas. And I said to him, so you got a guitar for Christmas. You ready to join the worship team? He said, oh, no, no, it's been a long time. No. I said, well, 
I, I kind of looked at your Facebook post and I heard you singing it and you're kind of good. He said, I'm not ready. And so Eric and I were kind of bummed and we talked about it and I said, I think he's, I think he's nervous, I think he's insecure. I didn't realize that he believed he wasn't worthy. I didn't realize he didn't believe he was worthy. And so some time ago, some time goes by and we're at one of our restaurants, Kiki's I think, um, and we're sitting there and I said, no, Josh, I've been listening to you sing on Facebook. I heard it, like you can do it, man. I think it's time, I think it's time to serve. And he was humble and he said, thank you. And he didn't say much more after that. And then I think he said something about being ready to serve. And I said, Tina, call him, text him, get a hold of him. And he did, and he was standing up here on Easter, singing King of Kings. Believing that there's a holy God that can make all things new. And he did it in Josh. And he wants to do it in you. He wants to do it in your family. He wants to do it in your coworkers. Just take time to notice. And then surround yourself with people that will fan the flame of God's will in your life. And the belief that God has a plan for you. Yes, absolutely. And tonight, Josh is on the worship team and his wife is in the tech booth. And they want to be used for the glory of God. And they are. Because John 16, 33, Jesus tells us, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Jesus says this after he's been talking to his disciples about many things. And one of them is, you're going to be persecuted. But don't fall away. Much of, the, much of the shame that comes into a Christian's life or, or even a, a, a person who's lost and seeking is because people are persecuting you or they're calling you names or they're not believing in you. Kind of like I said last week, they're going to come and they're going to say, oh yeah, you don't mean it. That's not real. That's somebody else's faith. You're just mimicking them. Oh, now you're just addicted to Jesus. Some of that is persecution, absolutely. But Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking about, you're going to be thrown in prison. But he says, don't fall away. And he goes on to talk about their grief that's going to happen and that's going to turn to joy. And then he says, and I tell you all this so that you can have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And I pray that when Josh comes into seasons where the enemy comes at his back and say, see, you saw that temptation. You didn't mean it. He's going to say, oh, no, 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 temptation has not seized me. I do not give in to the temptation of the flesh. I keep my eyes on Jesus because in this world, I will have trouble, but I'm going to take notice. He's overcome the world. And Josh is going to be reminded and be, re be remembering because he's surrounded with people that are going to remind him and re help him remember. And listen to me, church, you need to be surrounded by people that will remind you and help you remember. Yeah. <clears throat> it doesn't mean he's going to get it perfect. But Josh, don't slip back into shame, brother. We love you. We're with you. Continue to be used for his glory. He sees you, and so do we. And as we've wrapped up the last two weeks, that journey of being into the season of redemption, really what it is, is we're moving from a toxic past towards a promising future. What we're really doing is we're moving from a toxic past toward a promising future. 
old is gone and the new has come. And the promise of God is on you. The hope that the Lord has for you is on you. And that is going to be very strength in your bones to move you from that toxic past toward your promising future. It doesn't just happen, friends. It is intentional choosing of keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus and keeping yourself rooted in his word and surrounding yourself with the right people. Moving from a toxic past is hard work. But when we have a promising future in front of us and the right people around us, and his word inside of us, we can move from the old to the new. We can. It's not going to be easy. And the journey may take longer than you thought it would. But you are worth it. You are worth the fight. This is not on the screen, but I posted something today that said, the church is in a cruise ship. It's a battleship. Listen to me. You have people on board with you that are ready to fight for you. And are ready to fight with you. When you find yourself amongst the toxic past toward a promising future and it's just getting really hard and that toxic past seems to want you back, you call on your comrades because we're here to fight for you and we're here to fight with you. This church needs to be a battleship of prayer for our people and help them move from their toxic past towards their promising future. It's not easy and you know it if you've been there. And we need to be there for one another. And look at this tree. It fell, but it wasn't over. You see, sometimes even our Christian brothers and sisters are the ones that are fallen. Do we believe that it's not over for them? Or do we think, huh? There they go again. I want to believe that every fallen tree can look like that. I want to believe that every life can look like that. I want to believe that every branch that was broken on the way down then became a root. I want to believe that in every life that the very broken pieces that can be visible to some can be very clear in people's lives, though, man, they got a lot of brokenness, that those very things will be the very roots that take them further into a promising future and be used for God's glory. You see, when you talk about your journey from your toxic past to the promising future that God gave you, you free up somebody else to be able to do it too. You see, those very branches that broke on the way down became roots. I hope you get it. I hope you see it. That whole tree preached to me. It was a tree, and you know that was not the natural shape of it because of the way the branches are growing up, and the tree is now doing this. So this is not the natural shape of that tree before it fell. This is what happened after it fell. This is what happened after maybe it was struck by lightning, or it seemingly was dead and just was hollow and fell over. But something changed inside that tree, and it decided, we're not done. Well, no matter what you're going through, what season you're in. You might think things have just fallen over. The lightning has struck. It's seemingly hollow on the inside. It might be on its side. Every branch has fallen off and there's only another left. Well, guess what? It's time to make that a root. 
And it's time to take those very broken pieces and give them to the Lord. My parents are going to come. My dad's going to sing a song about that very thing. I don't know if it's you that needs to take the very broken pieces and give them to the Lord or if it's someone else in your life. But as my dad sings the song, feel free to read the lyrics, absolutely. But consider the broken pieces. Think about that tree. The very branches that it fell on and completely broke in half, then it became roots. So often we seem to highlight people's brokenness rather than their potential. And I want you to hear me. You have potential. The most broken thing in your life has the most potential. Identify those pieces as they sing the song and give them to the Lord.
from that tree that fell off, became a root. And so as we close out tonight of Graves into Gardens, we're going to celebrate here in just a few minutes, but I have this passage I'm going to share with you. Because in the midst of the journey, when it gets really hard, I want you to have an anchor that you've placed in front of you, something you're looking toward that you believe in, that you're working toward. And I want you to hear this passage, and it's Philippians 3, 12 through 13. If you want to write this down, Philippians 3, 12 through 13. And I love the way the Passion Translation has put it. Listen to this. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus has laid a hold of me to make me his own. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. Don't you love that thought? I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. Believe in the day that God is calling you toward. Believe in the future that God is calling you to. Believe in the potential that lies in front of your children and your grandchildren and all of those that surround you. Believe that maybe you're a Paul and a Silas, that when you worship, the chains don't fall off of you, they fall off of everyone. Believe that you are standing amongst people that need the word of God and you have it hidden in your heart and you can share it at just the right time. Forget the past. Fasten your heart towards the future instead. There are people in this church tonight and online, many of our people are out of town this weekend and they're watching online, but listen, there are people in this church, in this room, online right now, that are being called to ministry, but you're letting fear of what that looks like hold you back. Forget that. Fasten your heart to the future. There are people in this fellowship that are being called to the mission field. It may be local, it may be abroad. It doesn't look easy. It's not going to be. Forget the past. Forget the comforts of the past. Fasten your heart to the future instead. There are people in this church that have not chosen to give God their whole life. Surrender their whole heart to Him. Forget the past. Fasten your heart to the future instead. He has a glorious life waiting for you. It won't be easy. You won't have all the answers, but His promises are true. Forget the past. Fasten your heart to the future instead. This church has a future that is beautiful and glorious. And you talk about a garden. You talk about a garden. Sometimes it's hard to forget the past, but it's time to forget the past and fasten our heart to the future instead. Because what he has for us is so beautiful and so good. And he's redeeming it all. Isn't he good? I don't know what you gotta forget, but don't depend on your own strength. In the grave, in the garden, don't depend on your own strength to accomplish becoming a garden, but focus on Him, the one who has called you out of the grave and into the garden. And forget all that past and fasten your heart to the future instead. I sat with a repeating offender in jail ministry years ago. About four years ago in Anderson, Indiana, and she had been in jail multiple times for drug usage. And she was broken. And she was getting a little bit of counseling in jail, which is amazing. And it was changing, it was helping. And that night we talked about freedom and the importance of not going back. 
and she was going to be getting out of jail soon. And I looked at her and I said, you got to forget the past, even if it means you don't go back where you came from. you got to be so committed to the future. You've got to envision your freedom. You've got to envision a life, a clean life. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what you got to do, but you've got to envision the freedom without that thing, that substance, that addiction, that issue. You've got to envision your future. And you've got to fasten your heart to that with the Lord. And you've got to cling to it with all your might. And I looked at her and I said, because you know how easy it is to go back. It's all she's ever done. It's all she'd ever seen. It's generational. There's people in this room that are breaking generational curses right now. Keep doing it. Keep going. Keep fastening your heart to the future. The next generation is worth it. Envision your freedom. Place all caps on the name of God and envision your future. Your freedom is worth it. Forget the past and keep forgetting it and keep forgetting it and keep forgetting it, right? Let's keep it real. And then fasten your heart to the future and move ahead. Because when we add our caps to the name of the Lord, he gives us what we need, when we need it, even if it's not what we thought would happen. You see the Israelite that I was talking earlier? They thought they were just going to take a route around the sea. And if one of us was in charge of the GPS, they would have, right? Well, you can't go that way. There's a sea. How many times does our logic get in the way of a miracle? Well, don't, and sometimes it's just wisdom, right? Don't go through the seat, right? But sometimes God parts it. Forget the past and fasten your heart to the future instead. The worship team is going to come forward and we're going to do a little piece here at the end of the service. We're going to close it out with a testimony moment from each person that shared. You remember in the middle of our series, my mom shared about her journey and how she was raised in the pastor's home and how difficult that home was and how she was never going to marry a pastor and now she's been married to a pastor for a long time. But she had to come to a point where she surrendered everything inside of her, all of her pain, all of her brokenness, all of her experience. Sometimes the very thing that keeps us from moving forward is the remembrance of our experience. Keep forgetting the past and fasten your heart to the future instead.